Hi everyone! Today we're launching a new segment of Counting on Capital, the Portfolio Perspective. Our last segment was all about academia, and we spoke to professors who had dedicated their careers to studying private equity. Now we're switching gears, and we're talking to CEOs and leaders of portfolio companies. They'll share the stories of their founding and growth and provide a first-hand view on their experiences with their private equity partners. These conversations provide us an understanding of how strong private equity partnerships can help take portfolio companies to the next level and create value for a diverse set of stakeholders. Our first guest is Maria Dempsey, CEO of Nest New York. Dempsey joined Nest from Crabtree and Evelyn and has 25 years of experience in the beauty industry. She's an example to us all that if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Her passion is contagious and I'm so excited to have her on. I'm your host, Shruti Rao, and this is Counting on Capital. Hi, Maria. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Shruti. It's great to be here. Maria, you are the CEO of Nest, a leading designer and manufacturer of luxury fragrances and personal care products. Tell me more about the origin story of this company. How was Nest founded and how did it grow into this fragrance powerhouse that it is today? Okay, well, Nest was founded in 2008 by Laura Slatkin. And Laura Slatkin um, really is, she is the founder and the creator of the home fragrance industry in the United States. So she started Slatkin & Co. over 25 to 30 years ago with her husband, Harry. And I call Harry and Laura Slatkin the king and queen of home fragrances. So they decided 25 years ago that there was an industry for higher-end home fragrancing. And so they started Slatkin & Co. And then they sold Slatkin & Co. to Bath & Body Works. And after they sold um, Slatkin & Co., Laura had a non-compete. So she took a couple of years off and started, built a private label home fragrance business. And then in 2008, she started Nest just as the crisis was hitting. Um, But so she started Nest as an accessible and affordable high-end home fragrance business. And she started, she launched the brand, Nest was launched in Neiman Marcus, but always at a very accessible price point. And so she has kind of created it into be this home fragrance powerhouse. We're the number one home fragrance business in the U.S. in department stores and specialty and multi-channel stores. Um, And so she's just, uh, you know, Laura is still actively involved in the business and is really the creative genius behind the whole brand. So Maria, tell us more about yourself. How did you find yourself in this world of fragrance and personal care and what brought you to the industry in the first place? Well, I always like to look back on my life and I always look at life-defining moments And when I was a senior in college, I spent a year and a half, actually, my senior, um, last semester of uh, my senior year, I went to Paris on an exchange program and ended up staying in Paris for about a year and a half, actually. And I had to write a thesis, a business thesis, because I was doing a business program. And I was on this metro one day, and I ended up coming outside of the metro, and I looked up, and the Christian Dior boutique was there. And I just was like fascinated with the fashion and the fragrances that were 
um, you know, so much a part of life in Paris. And so really for me, that was like a life defining moment because I was not, you know, I wasn't a makeup girl. I wasn't a fashion girl. I was a tomboy growing up. And I just realized like, hey, this would be a great thesis to write. And I ended up writing my thesis comparing the French and the U.S. cosmetic markets. And from there, really, a career was born. I started um, my first job out of college when I came back from Paris was working for L'Oreal. And from there, you know, I just have had an amazing career. And I think the cosmetic industry is a career that is amazing for women to begin with. I never had a glass ceiling. And it's it's an industry that is fun. I have had so much fun with my career, and I have learned so much every single day. So I just think, you know, that's how I got started in this business. You know, the fragrance and personal care industries are incredibly competitive. And you can tell that just by walking down an aisle of a department store or even going online. Given that Nest was created in the midst of the financial crisis, how has the brand managed to gain traction and stand out? So Laura Slatkin is really, she is, um, you know, a woman of very sophisticated, she's very sophisticated, she's very cultured, she is um, like a designer, and she's also an entertainer. And she has always believed that fragrances in the home help to transport you and create a mood in the home. And she also wanted to, so she, you know, really kind of every fragrance that she develops has to move you emotionally. So that's one thing that she was able to do. And then the other thing is, I think in terms of pricing, like she always, she knew that, you know, there was this very high-end customer, but high-end customers, no matter what, wherever they're shopping, they want quality and they want a product that um, is consistent. And Laura Slatkin has designed products that are of the highest quality, they're consistent, and they are beautiful in any decor in the house. So she's designed packaging that is very classic, upscale, and the pricing of the products has been always very accessible. So people, consumers feel like they are getting the most wonderful fragrance at a very accessible price point. Okay, so we've talked about the origin of the brand. We've talked about the industry. What surprised you about fragrances when you first joined Nest? And what are the challenges that Nest faces in manufacturing its products? Well, you know, when I first started, because this is the first time I've worked as a CEO in home fragrances, in candles, I was like, oh, God, it must be the easiest thing to manufacture. You think, oh, a candle, it's, you know, it's wax and it's a wick and it's a, you know, a container. Candles are actually very sophisticated products and very challenging because you have to make sure that the wax is burning evenly, um, that the wick is not getting too long or too short, that the fragrance throw, whether it's in a very small votive or in a larger container, is really filling up a room. And so I think that there's a lot of uh, research and development that goes into candles. And any time we manufacture a candle, we have to do specific testing in the lab for every single batch that we do. So it's a very complicated product. Um, You use different wicks for different size vessels. 
Um, so it's it's complicated, but I, you know we've worked with several manufacturers, and you know we the quality of our products is really exceptional. So Nest has worked with a few private equity firms and was purchased in December of 2017 by Eurasio. How would you describe your experience of working with a private equity investor? What are the biggest advantages and drawbacks of having private equity in your business? So for me so far, it's been, you know, really tremendous amount of advantages. One, I think in terms of the expertise and the knowledge from a financial standpoint so and an analytical standpoint. So when I first came into the business... You know, the first thing, you know, we were talking about with the private equity firm was, okay, how much are we going to sell for? How many years? When are we going to sell? How do we create value? And I was coming really from a, a strong marketing background, and I was always about, okay, how do we build the brand? Never had I approached it from how do we sell the brand? So that was really bringing different thinking to, to me but it all, at the end of the day, it's all about how do you create value for a brand. And so I think that the, the private equity brings that expertise. They bring a lot of contacts in the industry so that we, you know, have different relationships with different bankers, with, um, you know, investment teams. So I think that they bring a lot of um, support to our company. Um, they also, you know, Eurasio is an interesting company and, you know, they're a very, very large private equity firm based in Paris, but they have a much more of a long-term, uh, view on investments. So it's not, you know, like this, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up to the detriment of the brand. They want, you know, they invest in brands that they believe in and that they feel have a, a long-term value. So that's been, you know, interesting for me to come in where a company is like, okay, when are we selling? But I think at the end of the day, it's still about creating value for a brand and for an organization. So the advantages also have been the president of Eurasio Brands, which is the subdivision of Eurasio, is a woman who has tremendous experience in fashion, in banking, in um, cosmetics. So she's just a great sounding board for me and really wants me to succeed and looks at the relationship as a partnership. So that's been good. I think the challenge for me in the beginning was how do you balance the relationship with the founder who has incredible, you know, view of the, the brand, where she wants to take it. But then how do you balance that with the private equity team as well? So I have kind of even though the founder isn't my boss, but she's the one that's built this amazing company. I have her, you know, kind of that I report into with. Then I have the private equity team. So it was more about finding that balance and how do I kind of create the, the vision for the company and get, get alignment within that. Um, I also think a challenge um, with the private equity is that you know, you were mentioning earlier about operational efficiencies. What I would love, I think, is for the private equity firm to come in and say, okay, let us help you with all of your back office and let you focus on the front end, the consumer, the branding, the innovation. 
Um, so I think that you know private equity firms should come in and offer that operational efficiency because that would then free up the brands to really focus on the consumer, focus on digital innovation and acceleration, and focus on product innovation as well. How do you think that the future of Nest has been impacted by private equity? What has private equity investment enabled Nest to do that might not otherwise else be possible? Probably stay in business, to be honest, you know. So I think the private equity firm has, um, you know, brought definite capital to us. And, you know, being in working with department stores, building up your digital expertise, it's expensive. So we've needed that investment um, and also the guidance, the professional guidance on how to go from, you know, a smaller company to a much larger organization. So they offer not only operational advice and direction, but also that financial kind of backing as well. What should private equity firms be aware of when they get involved in a business? And what do you think are the most crucial traits that really make a private equity firm a partner versus an owner? One is, I think, that passion for the business. So, you know, I mean, home, you know, not everyone is passionate about home fragrances or um, candles, you know. So I think that that's what I love about Eurasio and, you know, my boss, Jill Granoff. She loves this business. And so some other private equity firms that I've, you know, worked you know, at arm's length with or dealt with, they weren't passionate about the products. So for me, you got to love the products. You know, private equity firms, no matter how much due diligence you do on a company, there's things that are messy in there and there's things that aren't, don't always come to light. So it's, you got to be fast, you got to be flexible, and you have to be understanding as well. What role do you think private equity can play in consumer-facing industries like fragrances and personal care? I mean, I think they can play a huge role um, in terms of, you know, making, you know, bringing the investment to the companies. Um, you know, I think they, that it's a huge, you know, basically in the cosmetic industry, there were always kind of the strategic partners. And that were, you know, the, the Estee Lauders, the L'Oreal's of the world. But, be, you know, having private equity involved now brings, you know, a whole new dynamic to the cosmetic industry, which is exciting. Um, they've been willing to take bets on companies that, you know, the larger firms would not have taken bets on. And they've done that with great success. So I think that they've actually helped to um, kind of to, to motivate the industry and change the cosmetic industry in a really good way and bring, you know, needed capital to some smaller businesses that have really helped to kind of thrive in, you know, since 2008. The world is experiencing an unprecedented global health crisis with the coronavirus pandemic. How does Nest think about this crisis and how do you think about adapting the business model to respond? So how does Nest think about the crisis? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I feel that, you know, we've gone into we've we're in phase two of the crisis. Nest is so phase one um, was really just traumatic in terms of, you know, the health of our employees, making sure that we were keeping everyone safe, shutting down the office. So really kind of really looking at the safety um, of our employees was number one. 
maybe we're in phase three or four now, actually. So phase two then was making sure that the business was safe and, you know, just really very quickly having to understand what our account, you know, our financial situation was, our liquidity, our cash flow. So spending a tremendous amount of time looking at, you know, our accounts receivables, our payables, and then communicating with our vendors very clearly to say, here's what's going on. We are working with you. Um, So, spending a tremendous amount of time on kind of the liquidity of the business and making sure that that was stable, working with our private equity partners, Eurasio, presenting to them, sharing with them kind of, you know, the, the good things that we were seeing, but also the real challenges. So, and then now I feel like we have, you know, secured our business, worked with our bank, worked with Eurasio, so we are, we have liquidity. And now it's about really how do we accelerate one from a digital standpoint and how do we continue the momentum with what's going on with home fragrances. So, you know, the, basically the whole, with everyone working from home and everyone feeling like they need some comfort and coziness, home fragrances has skyrocketed. So the entire industry, makeup has, has really, you know, suffered. Skincare, it's all starting to come back over the past two weeks, but skincare actually was doing okay, but still suffering because, you know, you have all these department stores, specialty store doors all closed and no one able to shop. So what we saw was our um, retailer.com sites as well as our own.com has been beyond like triple digit increases because people want to kind of have some semblance of normal at home. So they're lighting candles, they're, you know, using hand soaps a lot more with the cleansing. So we're starting to see a real increase or we have been seeing an an increase in our business. So what we see though is, you know, we can't rely anymore on brick and mortar stores So it's really how do we accelerate from a digital standpoint? How do we build the organization so the entire organization has a digital mindset and that everything we're working on is digital first? Because, you know, before we thought, oh, you know, home fragrances, people won't want to buy candles online. But because of our price point, the accessible price point, People, we have a lot of new customers that are coming to try out our fragrances because they see the reviews online. And, you know, we know that once our consumer tries our products, that they love it. So the pandemic for us has been, you know, a, a huge roller coaster, um, a lot of learning, a lot of, you know, we've had to be super fast, super flexible. And I think it's all about having an amazing team working with you and everyone being kind of laser focused on what we need to do. So we need to drive revenue. We need to ensure um, our liquidity. We need to look at our cash flow on a daily basis. Whereas before we were looking at cash flow on a monthly basis, it literally had to be on a daily basis. So and then the digital acceleration. So how to get the team motivated to look at cash flow, liquidity, 
um, revenue drivers, and also digital acceleration. So that's kind of how we're, you know, working during the pandemic, um, working from home and having everyone um, off-site and not working together has been, you know, a challenge. But I think people are starting, you know, the first couple of weeks was hard. Everyone was figuring out their Zoom. Everyone was figuring out their cell phones and their printers. But now I think we're all in a really... um, we're in a good mode right now, and I think we're starting to build for the future in a significant way. I think it's amazing that in the midst of a pandemic where we're facing skyrocketing unemployment and a tremendous amount of economic uncertainty, that there's so much demand for a luxury product. Did that surprise you at all? And how do you think about getting consumers to spend 40 dollars on a candle right now? Well, I don't, it wasn't a, I mean, yes, it was a surprise in terms of the demand because, you know, we had basically forecasted, you know, zero, you know, basically. Um, and the demand, but I think when we come, when you come back to Nest is an affordable luxury. So if you look at other brands in this space, in department stores, in, you know, specialty stores, they're much higher priced than us. So, Nest has been, you know, is accessible, affordable luxury, and the quality of the product is really unsurpassed. So I think if you give a consumer, you know, quality and at the right price, she will shop you. And I, you know, it's evident in the reviews we get online, which are all all like four to five star reviews. And so I think that that you know, you have to go back to the product. Is the product worth it? And yes, Nest products are worth it. Well, Maria, I can't thank you enough for your time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Ruti. Great speaking with you. Thanks for joining us today, everyone. I'm an avid consumer of Nest products myself, so it was especially fun talking to Maria. Previously on the show, we've been talking about private equity in academic and more abstract terms. But today, we saw how private capital backs everyday products. I mean, who would have thought that private equity could help keep my favorite candle company in business? What's especially exciting is that big beauty companies like Estee Lauder and L'Oreal aren't the only ones shaping their industry anymore. In fact, The story of Nest suggests that smart investors and smart capital can invest directly in entrepreneurs who bring fresh new ideas and ultimately create new companies that might not have existed otherwise. Join us next time, where we interview Angel Alvarez, chairman of ABB Optical. He's an entrepreneur, a founder, and over the past two decades, Angel has built ABB into the number one contact lens distributor in the country with the help of private equity. Until next time, I'm your host, Shruti Rao, and this is Counting on Capital.